What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Sports 360. I'm Jeff Fennell, and I'm here with my man, Rob Duran of Rob Duran Sports. Rob, what's up? How you doing? What's going on, man? What's going on? Oh, man. Oh, man. There's a lot to talk about today, Rob. There's a lot to talk about. Um, want to spend some time talking about the new rule that MLB has instituted against foreign substances. There's a lot there. I don't know if we can talk about it all, but we'll talk about as much as we can uh, because it's a rule that was sort of a long time coming. And it's funny, it's a rule, but it's a rule that's been on the books already, but now MLB is going to be enforcing it, which is another issue. Um, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about with that. Um, and it goes to something we've been talking about, Rob, for a long time, the lack of offense in baseball, right? I mean, from no hitters to strikeouts to, you know, just the inability to generate offense. It's, we've been talking about it for a long time. Baseball has had a problem and maybe this is going to be part of what will address it, you know? Yeah, hopefully, man. We'll see. Obviously, you know, we have a somewhat small sample size for this season. But like you said, we've been talking about this for for in good length. And we can see the numbers going back a few years. So maybe we're about to uncover some some secret stuff going on here in Major League Baseball. Yeah, some secret stuff. Secret stuff that's been done out in the open, if you hear a lot of people talk about it. Um but yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But before doing that, I want to talk a little NBA. Um, NBA basketball, obviously, postseason. Um, it's been an interesting postseason, right? Some really good series, some really good play. But it's starting to be overshadowed now by the the, the rash of injuries that we're seeing among you know, some of the best players in the game. And most recently, Kawhi Leonard of the Clippers, he's going to miss game five with a knee injury. Uh, Kyrie's out with an ankle injury. Harden, we know, has been battling that hamstring. Conley's been out. Embiid has a knee. Mitchell has an ankle. DeAndre Hunter is gone with the Hawks. And then CP3, I, I was finally saying, you know what? I thought he got hurt in that Lakers series with his shoulder, and I said, oh, boy, here we go again. But he got over that, and then they beat the Nuggets, and I said, man, I'm so glad for CP3. He he dodged that little jinx that he has going on, right? And now he's in the COVID protocols. What do you think about all these injuries, man, that's going on in the NBA? Man, it's, it's terrible, first and foremost. It's terrible for an NBA fan in general, you know, just to see – Star power, because it's not like it's a bunch of, you know, the last guy on the bench. It's star power missing NBA playoff games. And, you know, we don't know how some of these players are going to recover, if they're going to be able to recover. You know, they're talking about Kawhi maybe an ACL injury. So who knows if he'll even be able to return, you know, if they're able to advance to the next round and stuff like that. But it's terrible to see all these guys going down. And you mentioned a bunch of guys, never mind all the guys that came into the playoffs her, like, you know, LeBron James came in her, Anthony Davis came mm-hmm. in her. So it's like, this is stuff that has been 
piling on since towards the end of the season. James Harden, another one who's been dealing, like you said, with the hamstring injury. I don't know, man. I don't know if it's <laughs> like what LeBron is pointing out, the the rush to start the season due to the COVID season last year, or if there's something else going on, maybe the guys weren't ready to go. But it's a bad look, man. It's a bad look. Yeah, and as you said, it's unfortunate because of the star power. And you mentioned LeBron. And, you know, I kind of joked with you earlier that, you know, we, we can call him Nostradamus now because, <laughs> you know, he's out there to I told you, you know, okay, Nostradamus, you know, what's what's you know, what's the Powerball numbers next week? You wanna impress me? <laughs> Give me that. But, you know, he's out there saying, I told you. And and see, part of it is like like Kyrie's injury is not related to the season stuff. You know what I mean? When you land on someone's foot and turn your yeah. ankle that you, we can't talk about that. James Harden, James Harden wasn't in shape at the beginning of the season because he didn't want to play for Houston anymore. How much had it to do with that? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So whether all of it is tied to the shortened off season, I, I don't know if I buy that, but I do think the shortened off season certainly did have some impact on it. Um, but whatever the case may be, man, you want to see the best players out there. And right now, like you said, if Kawhi doesn't play the rest of the series against Utah. And right now, as we're speaking with game five is tonight is it's tied up two two. Do we really think playoff P can bring the Clippers <laughs> into the promised land? I don't. Definitely not. I'm sorry. I don't think so. He, he hasn't proven that he could do that even with Kawhi in the lineup. So I don't think him being the number one option is going to do the Clippers any favors. I don't either. And he's played well the last couple of games. And we're talking about, obviously, Paul George. And he's played well the last couple of games. You know, he's had a couple of 30-point games uh, as they evened up the series. But, you know, his performance in the postseason has been uneven. And we're probably being kind to say that. Um, And now he's not going to have Kawhi on the floor which means, of course, that Utah can load up on him. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if he can go from a guy who's been kind of struggling to assert himself in the playoffs and doing well most recently, but now can he be the guy? Can he, you know, say, jump on my on my back and I'll bring you home? I just don't see that happening. Um, but he has an opportunity to do it. But right now, man, um, you know, all these injuries, is, it's, it's, it's kind of putting a damper on what should be an exciting time. Yeah, I definitely agree because these playoffs, and we spoke about it before, there were a lot of good matchups starting right from the get. Like even from the, the play-in games, those were great matchups. And each round just gets better. But then when you're losing the star power, you know, you're losing the money players, it, it does – kind of take away like the the hype of the game because you know it, you know that the teams aren't at full strength and all this stuff so it takes away from it so hopefully you know like Kawhi is not seriously hurt and he can't come back in the game six or something like that and and the rest of these guys get healthy because we want to see the best of the best go against each other no doubt no doubt about it
Um, the other thing on the NBA front, bruh, I, I've been on record, you know, so anybody want to go back and check the tape, you can check the tape. The Milwaukee Bucks. I just got to say a couple of things about the Milwaukee Bucks. You know I'm not a big fan of the Bucks. I've always had my reservations about them. I thought they were playing a little bit better recently, so I gave them their props where it was due, but I didn't go all in on them because I still had my doubts. But I've been watching them real closely during this postseason. I said it before. I'll say it again. They are the worst good team I've ever seen in my life. They, they 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 are frustrating to watch. They don't seem like they know what they're doing. They they just you know they don't play team ball. They just they go into a lot of ISO. They shoot bad shots. Um, and you know as we're talking tonight, Rob, last night Katie nearly put a fifty piece on them, and the Nets came back and won that game and. And Milwaukee was frustrating me so much during that game. As a Knicks fan, I found myself hoping the Nets would beat them. And I don't root for the Nets for any reason whatsoever. And I was hoping that the Nets would beat them just to give Milwaukee a lesson. And, man, Milwaukee to me, I can't see them. And as I said it before, I don't see them winning a championship. And right now, I'm I'm – so unimpressed with them and i'm really unimpressed with Giannis. yeah you know what um i was trying to think of a comparison to to Giannis, and the one thing that i can think of he's a super athletic shack because shack can't shoot he's dominant on the inside but that's about it and obviously shack had other elements of his game but that's Giannis. he's dominant on the inside he's great defensively he can't shoot a jump shot. He can't really do much else. He's just super athletic. So that helps every other aspect of his game. And I've come to the realization that I don't think the Bucks will win anything as currently constructed, but I think Giannis would be a great maybe second piece to a championship team. And I think, that's, I think that will take away some of the frustration you're feeling with him if he wasn't the number one guy or the number one option on a team. And I think you just need somebody who can shoot and do a lot more things than he can do. And right now, unless he gets a jump shot, unless he, you know, does other things similar to Ben Simmons, I think Ben Simmons is a guy who needs to develop a jump shot. And he would be maybe one of the better players in the league, period. But, yeah, I don't think as currently constructed, the Bucks aren't going to win. They would have got swept, in my opinion, had Kyrie and Harden been healthy. So that's how I feel about Milwaukee. Giannis, as you said, he doesn't have a jump shot, and yet he keeps shooting threes. (laughs) Guys stand in front of him. They build a wall in front of him, and he still goes charging forward like a bull in the china shop. And then here's the thing for me that is just laughable. He has one of the most elaborate free throw routines right where he shoots the imaginary free throw before he wants the referee to throw in the ball and then he he dribbles the ball for like three and a half days and then he takes his shot and this elaborate routine that he had and boy can't shoot any free throws so it's like what are you doing you might as well just take the ball and shoot it because 
all this practicing and all the rest of it is not helping you, man. So and he keeps getting penalized. Yes. Wasting too much time. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? He is. It's frustrating to watch him play. And, you know, um, and like I said, they are the worst good team I've ever seen. And um, I don't know if they win another game uh, against the Nets. I think they will. Um, I, I, I think that, um, you know, Harden is Harden is nowhere near 100 percent. Not at all. And Kyrie is going to be out, I think, for the rest of the series, if not beyond. And so they're going back home, Milwaukee is. I do think they have a chance to, to take that game, and we might see a game seven. Um, and then we'll just see, you know, uh, where, where we are at that point. But Milwaukee, to me, um, they, 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 they are so unimpressive, so unimpressive. Yeah, and it's a shame because they have some solid players on their team. It's just I don't know if it's the right mix. And like I said, I don't think I don't think Giannis is a number one. I know NBA people want him to be the number one because he, you know, MVP, defensive player, all this stuff. He has he has the tools, but it's a matter of expanding those tools and adding certain elements to your game. You have to continue to improve. You know, because even LeBron James, he wasn't a great shooter coming in. But he had the ability to continue to learn. And I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but you feel comfortable with LeBron sometimes taking a three or taking a jump shot. And with Giannis, you kind of let him shoot. And you know you're gonna, he's going to miss. Yeah, and if he does get it in, you're happy because you say, you know what? He's going to keep shooting. Yeah. And most of the time, he's going to miss. Anyway, enough about them. You know, they might have one more game, um, maybe two, but I expect the Nets to to beat them, even with Kyrie being out and Harden being hurt. Um, all right, but let's so let's switch gears and get to what we really want to talk about tonight, and that is the the new rule um, or the new enforcement uh, of the rule against foreign substances. Instituted by MLB. Long time in coming. Uh, back in March, MLB said they were going to look into it. They thought that pitchers, you know, using foreign substances, sticky substances to help them get a better grip on the ball uh, in violation of the rule against foreign substances had gone too far. And they were doing interviews and looking at stat cast data and the rest of it. But MLB finally came out with its new rule. And it's a you know immediate you know uh, ejection from the game and a ten game suspension for any pitcher who um, is caught using a foreign substance and you know there's going to be inspections of starting pitchers relief pitchers catchers and all the rest of it um, and it's caused it's been two days now and it's caused a pretty good uproar across baseball. Broad strokes, what are your thoughts about MLB's announcement that they're enforcing the rule? I'll tell you what, I'm not mad about it. You know, we spoke at the beginning about how players aren't hitting. 
the numbers are way down. Um, we keep trying to figure things out, and I think there's more to it. I don't think it's just the sticky stuff that's stopping hitters from hitting. I think it's a whole bigger issue, and I know we've talked about it in the past. I think it's the approach and the way these guys are taught to hit with launch, straight launch angle. Um, that needs to change as well. But in terms of the, the sticky stuff being used, a lot of people have likened it to the PEDs, the performance-enhancing substance. And to a degree, yes, they're right, because what we've seen is with these pitchers, and we don't know who's using it, who's not using it, but we can kind of get an idea based on the, the stack cast stuff and everything that's out there now, all this new technology, spin rates have increased dramatically over the past few years. And suddenly, spin rates have dropped over the past two weeks. And what we've seen is batting average has gone up, OPS has gone up, slugging has gone up, home runs have gone up. So there has to be something there to it. So I think that MLB enforcing this um, is a good thing. And hopefully this is a step in the right direction to getting some more offense back into the game. And maybe we'll see some, some positive changes as a result. And you hit on some good points there, Rob. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about offense being down. We've also noted the number of no hitters this year where it seemed like every week there was one or two no hitters being thrown and by some pitchers who aren't really recognized as aces you know what i mean and so we talked about that we've seen the stats and and then when mlb started to hint that yep the enforcement is coming the enforcement is coming and then pitchers and and teams started to tell their pitchers okay because this is one of the worst kept secrets in baseball right that pitchers were using <laughs> sticky stuff and so pitchers started to try to get ahead of the enforcement and said okay let me start to make the adjustment now and as you said all of a sudden spin rates started to go down offense started to go up that's not coincidental no one can convince me of that. It's not coincidental. And so it's really going to be interesting, Rob, to see what we have going forward with offense on the one hand, and then some of these pitchers who have been lights out and been dominant and putting up, you know, video game numbers in terms of ERA and FIP and all the rest of it. Let's see if that type of performance continues. Yeah, and the other interesting thing that we've seen lately, and we see it all over social media, is the kind of movement that these baseballs have. Yeah. Things that we've never, it's like magical stuff, the way a slider is is sliding these days, or or the way fastballs just cut and rise out of nowhere. You know, last second movement, stuff that we've never seen before. Like, you know, the Mariano Rivera cutter, was the craziest movement maybe we've seen back in the day. And it wasn't really moving like that. But the pitches that we've seen today are insane. And we're gonna and I'm and I'm pretty sure we're gonna see a lot less of that. It reminds me of wiffle ball. You, you know, if you played wiffle yeah. ball as a kid <laughs> and you throw the ball real hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? The ball would like just do all kinds of crazy things uh because it was a wiffle ball. And we don't see that type of movement, but 
it's it's fairly close when you consider it's a baseball, right? As you said, we've seen some really crazy stuff on breaking balls. And, you know, and, and, and pitchers will tell you, right, that the sticky stuff helps them get a better grip, which they say leads to better control, which, by the way, Rob, is something that MLB disputed in its announcement of the of of the enforcement of the rule because what they said is this idea that using sticky stuff actually is helpful for the game because pitchers have more control right because they have a better grip and they can control where the ball is going mlb openly disputed that in its findings by saying hit by pitch rates have not gone down and they and they even mm. said they think it's even worse now because there's less of an emphasis on control and more on spin rate and velocity. Wow. And I think there's something to be said about that because if it's all about the sticky stuff in, increasing control, then why aren't the hit-by-pitch numbers reflecting that? That's a great point. That's a great, great point. Because you would assume that more control, technically, by these by the sticky stuff, is gonna avoid the hit by pitches. But you know, I'm glad MLB came out with you know with the facts. Yeah, so that's that's a great, great point. I do have to ask you a question that's close to home, because about a week or so ago, Garrett Cole of your beloved New York Yankees was asked point blank in a press conference by held by Zoom whether he's used sticky stuff. And it was awkward. He paused for a long time. He stammered a little bit and essentially said, I don't know how to answer that question. And then gave some rambling thing about, you know, he, you know, players have passed down things to other players and we pass it down to other generations and some people cross the line. And it was like, well, <laughs> they just asked you if you use the stuff. I mean, what, what's all this about? Um, yeah, you know, I know it's close to home. You're a Yankee fan. That's your guy. But you got to admit, that was an awkward response. When I saw the video, I thought his video froze. How long he just stood there staring at the camera, man. Because it was awkward. I felt awkward watching. I was like, "Man, what is this? Is this guy going to answer this anytime soon, or what?" Hmm. And then, and then the answer he gave was just even worse. You know, either say yes or, or lie and say no. You know what I mean? Like after that stuff, he gave up five runs in two straight games. Something that he didn't do at all the the whole season. He he had a pretty low ERA. He was dominant all season. So you know, there's something there. And, you know, it's been rumored back to his Astro days that he, he was using stuff and the Astros pitchers were using stuff as well. And that's how they've been able to reinvent a lot of the pitchers that go through their organization and stuff like that. And not to single out the Astros at all, because every I'm sure every single team has multiple pitchers using this stuff. But, yeah, man, that answer he gave was just could not have been worse, maybe. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. And, and and this is not to single out any particular player either, right? We're not going to single yeah. out teams or players. And look, you know, if if you if you're paying attention to what's being said, um, 
and, and what's being reported, you, you understand that, yes, pitchers have been using foreign substances, right? Um, I mean, many pitchers openly talk about using a mixture of rosin and sunscreen, right, to mm-hmm. increase the tack, to um, help them better grip the ball and, and, and to have more control. And they've said, you know, hitters are fine with it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I just don't know if hitters are fine, you know, collectively hitting 236. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you can't convince me of that which is what hitters were hitting prior, you know, just a couple of weeks ago throughout all of baseball. Um, And so I do understand, right, but the rosin bag is there so that it can help pitchers get a better grip on the ball, right? So baseball understands that that's an element of the game, that having a better grip, you know, and helping pitchers have a better grip is good for the game. And the thought was, hey, a little rosin and mixed with a little sweat will give you some tack and allow you to have a better grip on the on the ball. But pitchers are saying that's not enough. Um, and so it sort of evolved into other things that stretch the bounds of the rule in too far. In, in, in MLB's opinion, and now we have what we have. Um, one of the things that's interesting, Robin, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, is that pitchers have said, why doesn't MLB come up with a league-approved substance that will help pitchers have a better grip? And and that's it. that's easier said than done. You could see how that could be very complicated to not yeah. everybody would like it, for example, and so forth. But you know, maybe MLB does have to do something in that regard, you know, um, because I think pitchers do need to have a grip, especially as hard as they throw the ball these days. Yeah, especially too, like in a, in colder weather where the sweat isn't really doing much, or even in the playoffs in October, depending on where they're playing, it'll be much harder to grip the ball, I assume. I'm, I'm not a pitcher, never been a pitcher, but um, yeah, I wouldn't mind if MLB, you know, work from here through spring training and you know they're testing on all these rules in the atlantic league and minor leagues and stuff like that why not come together and try to figure out some type of legal substance that is you know monitored and kept under wraps and stuff like that making sure that it's not altered at any point and it's kind of league-wide and everyone knows okay this is what you can use it's not going to be the spider tack that's going to give you the crazy spin rate but it's something better than just the rosin bag you know what i mean and maybe it's a a mixture of the rosin and sunscreen stuff or with a little bit more stick to it that, that gets approved. And like you said, it's easier said than done because not everyone is going to be on board with it. It's almost impossible for 100% to be on board with anything. But I wouldn't be – that would be a great idea for MLB to come up with something with the players' union, with the players, and just kind of say, all right, this is what we're going to use. Nothing more, nothing less. This is this is the substance that we're going to use. That would be a great idea. And I think because of that very thing, we're not going to see it happen. Because it's a good idea, I don't think we're yeah. going to see it. You know, <laughs> um, because I, I believe it also takes or requires something that has not been the history between the the, the league and the union, and that is the ability to work effectively together. Right. That hasn't been their strong suit. You know what I mean? 
And certainly something like this is going to take that. It's going to take cooperation. It's going to take, you know, the ability to work together, um, to take into account, you know, the opinions and, and thoughts and interests of both sides. And I don't know if that's going to happen or if it could happen, especially in the current environment, this is a collective bargaining year and the rest of it. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's in our immediate future or in our future at all. But, um, you know, the bottom line is the game has undergone a pretty dramatic change. Now, the rule comes into effect, what is it, June 21st, I believe? Um, yeah. So there's still a little time before it takes, you know, a couple of days before it takes effect. But, Rob, this is huge. This is huge. And I think we won't, we won't know the full effect of it probably for a few weeks as we start to see perhaps, you know, performances change among pitchers and hitters. But this is really a a significant change in the middle of the baseball season. Yeah, and I don't think there's been anything like this, at least that I can remember, that will have what we assume will be a huge impact. So, it, like you said, it's going to be interesting to kind of see that sample size grow. Now that we have roughly 60-plus games in without the rule, to see how it's going to be for the next 60-plus games moving forward. So it'll be really interesting to kind of break those stats up in half and see what the big difference is. Like I said earlier, you know, in just a couple of weeks, batting averages went up 10 to 12 points in just a couple of weeks once yeah. it started trickling down. So imagine what can, where it can be in another two months. And, and, you know, I had a conversation with a former player the other day and, you know, I, I, I wonder, in addition to performances being changed and maybe numbers going up in you know both batting averages, for example, and ERAs, you know, mm. I wonder if they're going to be some guys who are in the major leagues who perhaps won't be able to stick in it, no pun intended, <laughs> won't be able to stick. In, that's funny. <laughs> won't be able to stick in the major leagues because of the enforcement. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying, Rob? Because, yeah. you know, as you said, the balls has been, you know, the ball has been doing some crazy stuff and um, not everybody out there, um, perhaps has been doing it authentically. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just trying to be it'll, polite here. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yeah. Some of, some of those bullpen guys who come in, you know, six, yeah. seven innings, maybe not a closer type thing, but, you know, a middle reliever kind of thing. We may not see them in the major leagues in a couple of outings. So that'll be, that's a great point. Maybe the yeah. Yankees will go on a winning streak now and start hitting. And I can start watching them again. No, but for real. I mean, because all the all the frustration we have had, whether it's Mets fans being a little frustrated with Francisco Lindor getting off to a slow start. I mean, what if, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it was pitchers being unusually dominant that, you know, partially explains his struggles. You know, yeah. and then over the next few weeks, he now gets back to the Francisco Lindor that we know. 
that's entirely coincidental. I mean, it's going to be things like that. Like you said, if your Yankees start hitting, it's going to be entirely coincidental. I don't know. I, 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 for one, wouldn't come to that conclusion. I would see a little bit of cause and effect going on. Yeah. I can't, I'm telling you, I can't wait to see that 60 plus game sample size that all the networks are going to throw out to show the differences in offense between what the season looked like when it started up until this point and what it's going to look like later on. It's going to be, I can't wait for that. No doubt. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is a big story in, in, in baseball. And as you said, I mean, a lot, um, you know, there's still a lot to be told in this story and, and it will be measured, as you said, over, you know, a period of time. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the change is here. Um, and whether, you know, you like it or not, if you're a pitcher, you like it or not, this is where we are. Um, and, the enforcement may slow the game down some. I mean, it's going to be weird, man. You know, pitches are going to be like checked, you know what I mean, by umpires, mandatory checks of both starters and hitting and relief pitchers and catchers throughout the game. It's going to be a bit awkward, may take some getting used to, may slow down the game and, and, and make the games longer. But this is where we are, Rob. And, um, you know, hopefully in the end, adjustments will be made and we can get back to perhaps more exciting baseball. Yeah. I can't wait, man. I want to see some more hits. I want to see some more home runs. I want to see the Yankees in first place. That's all. (laughs) That's it. You're not asking for much. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you're not alone. Uh, On the Yankees part, I don't know, but on the other part, you're certainly um, not alone. So, all right, brother. Well, listen, good good, um, chatting with you, man. And and we will keep our eye on this new uh, enforcement regime and see how it plays out. Um, Obviously, unfortunately, um, we may see some suspensions, and that's going to be stories in and of themselves i hope we don't and i hope it's not widespread because baseball does not need that mm-hmm. um but that could be something but obviously we'll keep our eye on this story we'll keep our eye on the nba playoffs and other things that are going on so um we'll be back again and we'll hit him up with another edition of sports 360. 